Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. Well, hello. It's good to be back with you again, and particularly because I get the easiest letter to deal with. Uh, Last time, Darren gave me the hardest letter, and it was harsh and difficult, uh, but this one is uh, a bit easier. And as you know, we are exploring the letters to seven churches in a particular geographical region, region, first and second century, uh, churches that are undergoing varying levels of challenge, uh, and in response to the Roman Empire's kind of feeling the wheels come off and increasing persecution and so on and so forth. Uh, Throughout, however, the first century, the persecution the church, the challenges the church were facing were not just about persecution from the Roman government and things of that nature. A lot of these men and women, uh, as a result of the spread of Judaism, and uh, a lot of them had come to faith in Jesus, believing he was the true Messiah, and wanted to stay connected to their synagogues, wanted to stay connected to their Um, kind of family of faith, if you will, 
uh, and had been excluded and 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 booted out. So that that's kind of the first layer of of challenge of persecution that we see already in the book of Acts, and we see it continuing out through into the second century. And the letter we look at today speaks primarily to that. Once again, John, the beloved, is on the Isle of Patmos where he has been exiled, the emperor knowing it would be foolhardy to make him a martyr. Uh, And so he writes this series of letters on behalf of the risen Christ. He writes this then revelation uh, in in unfolding fashion uh, that kind of says to churches undergoing challenges and persecutions, tribulation of varying kinds, Jesus is right there with you. This is this is this is what he told you to expect, and it uh, is important that you hang in there, that you not quit when it gets tough, that you stay focused on mission, and that you continue to partner with him in his mission to save the world. Uh, this letter is the th- in the third chapter. Uh, it is the letter to the church at Philadelphia. Uh, the city of brotherly love uh, that was for the disciples of Jesus not so loving, not so brotherly. Uh, Jesus warned them that his message was going to bring a sword and that family members were going to be divided from one another, and that is what they were experiencing. Um, We don't know, again, a whole lot about Philadelphia. It was one of those cities, though, that was kind of a gateway city, Uh, It had been destroyed a couple of times by earthquakes prior to this uh, uh, letter being written, the most recent one uh, uh, about uh, 70 years or so before. And uh, it was founded in in 140 BC as kind of a bridge between uh, like Europe, if you will, and the East. And so it serves as this, it was the, the place of launching for the Hellenistic mission of Alexander to bring uh, the Greek culture, the Macedonian culture to the other parts of the world. So it was a, a missional city from the beginning, it, but the mission shifted, right? And so keep that in mind as we look at this uh, letter. It's in, in Revelation chapter 3 and begins at verse 7 to the angel, to the messenger, to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See? I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. You have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, but they're not, they're liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world. 
to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. I will write also on them my new name. It's a letter that is filled with encouragement, is filled with invitation, is filled with, at the same time, challenge to new opportunities. And he invites them, first of all, to recognize who he is. I am the one who is holy and true. Remember, these are folks who have been thrown out with the trash because they have abandoned uh, traditional Judaism, who have been disregarded, who have been told that they are nothings and nobodies. And he says to them, no, I'm the one who is holy and true, and I'm the one who holds the key of David. These good observant Jews, sons and daughters, if you will, of King David back in the Old Testament, uh, uh, he wants them to know, I'm, I'm the one actually who gets to determine kind of who's in and who's out. I've got the keys of David. I'm the one who determines who are the true, who are the holy people. So nobody else gets a vote on whether you're on the island. It's not their island. It's my island. And I've determined that uh, you have place and opportunity because what I've opened nobody can shut. What I shut, no one can open. So this key of David, this key to the house of David is this door of admittance of these people of David, these Jewish people. It parallels the kingdom of God. Remember, David is the kind of paradigmatic king of Israel. And when the people in Jesus's time were were learning who he was, he became for them the son of David, right? And so he leans into that title and leans into that identity and says with it, um, those who are with me are part of this kingdom of David, this kingdom then of God. And, and uh, he, he invites them in to recognize he's the one who holds the key. He's the one who holds the key that determines open and closed. It begins and says, I know your deeds and I've placed before you an open door. It's almost impossible unless you've experienced censure uh, yourself to know what it feels like to be um, disappeared by culture, by family. We live in a cancel culture now that if, if, if you, we don't toe the line in the way that it is now recently defined, and you got to be running pretty fast to keep up with how it gets defined every day, but in this particular cancel culture, they had been kicked out of the synagogue. They had been disfellowshipped. They had been disowned in many cases by their families. The door had been slammed in their face. They were locked out. 
And Jesus says, no, 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 I've got the keys. And I've set before you an open door, a door of opportunity, a door that nobody can shut. I'm the one who has this opportunity of mission and ministry. Remember what I said to you that Philadelphia uh, built in, in 140 BC to uh, be this bridge between Europe and the East was all, always a, a city of mission. And Jesus is saying to them, yeah, 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 you're still a city of mission. You're still a people of mission. I've set before you an open door. Nobody can shut it. The opportunity is unbelievable because I've opened the door and you're invited into it. This is a missional city and you are missional people, but I know you have little strength. I know this has taken a toll. I know what it's like to feel the rejection of family. I know what it's like to feel the rejection of a religious system that you took your meaning and definition and understanding of yourself from. I know what it's like. And you feel pummeled, you feel beat up. You feel like you have no strength. But in all of that, guys, I'm so proud of you because you've kept my word, you've not denied my name. That's an echo, by the way, do you hear it? Of one of the 10 words. Don't take the name, don't bear the name in a manner of vanity, of emptiness. And he said, guys, you haven't done that. You've kept my name. You've held tight, you've honored my character. And those who are of the synagogue, and please notice he uses the, of Satan, the adversary. This is oppositional to you. Remember Jesus experienced this in his life and ministry, this, the, the, the Jewish people to whom he came and of whom he was rejected him. They were the, they were the reason, finally, at the end of the day, the trip uh, 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 on his execution. And they were adversarial, oppositional, which is what the word Satan means. Satan isn't the name of a person. Satan is the name of a role or position. It's the adversary who pushes back against the work of God. He says they think they're Jews, but they're not. They're not. Jesus is clear. Even when he speaks to the Jews, you see it in the book of John, right? If, if you were the children of Abraham, you would accept me as who I am, but you're not. And he invites this group to say, I'll take care of them. This is not your fight. This is not your battle. This is not what you need to do. They're going to come down at some point and acknowledge you got it right, that I love you. But since you have kept my command to endure patiently, he says, since you have accept, kept my command, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. Um, apparently, in this season, there is coming increased persecution, and we see it in, echoed in many of the other letters, and this church is going to be spared the worst of that, uh, of this pruning, of this purification, of this test, because they have hung in there through 
this hard and challenging season. He doesn't say that he's going to take them out. He says that I will keep you protected in it. Uh, And it's coming upon the whole world. So this focus on deeds, this focus on the character that produces behavior. You guys are staying the course. You're doing well. You've gotten beat up. But I need you to know, um, you've already passed the test. You're not going to have to go through it again. And then this glorious reminder, I'm coming soon. So, So don't quit now. Hold on. Hold on to what you have. Don't let anybody take your crown. Please notice what has happened here. The crown of David is now, in some ways, this the crown of life, this crown of identity. Is Don't let anybody take that from you. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the one who determines this, uh, this identity. I'm the one who determines what victory looks like. And to the one who shares with me in my victory, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. This is a, an echo of a practice that was uh, throughout the a- ancient Near East, but particularly in the Greek culture, and we see it here. Every time uh, a, a temple was built and somebody had contributed significantly to the financing of that temple, they would get a pillar with their name on it uh, as a commemoration, kind of a donor's wall, if you will. Uh, in, the, in the ancient Near East. And notice what he's saying here. Is, is, is this temple, you guys have been kicked out of the synagogue. You've been, you've been, you've been marginalized. Remember, the synagogues were the, were the uh, meeting places when they couldn't get to temple. The synagogues were the places where the Jewish uh, community would gather in a, every city. As long as you had 10 men in a city from the, from the book of Genesis and, and the story of Abraham and Lot, as long as you have 10 men in the city, I, I will preserve that city. And the synagogue was the place of the meeting. And these people had been booted out of the synagogue. Synagogue was where we go when we can't go to temple. And he says, now look, I am building the temple of God. I am opening the door and I will make you a contributor, a pillar to the temple of God. Forget about the synagogue. You are participant. You are placed in the temple of God and I'll make you a pillar in the temple of God. And you'll never leave it. For those of us who have grown up in earthquake country, you know what that means. In the ancient Near Eastern world, every time there was an earthquake, right, people would sleep outside the city because they were afraid the buildings were going to collapse on them. Philadelphia itself had collapsed numerous times in its history because it was built on this, this fault zone. And so people would go, go out of the city as long as the earth was shaking. And he is saying, when, when this temple is established... It's never going to fall down, guys. You never have to go out of the city. You never have to leave it. Why? Because I'm going to write on you the name of my God. The name of the city of my God. The naming of um, this city is not an insignificant thing. The city was rebuilt in recent memory, AD 17, so about 80 years prior to the writing of this letter, 85 years. And it was built with this title, Neo Caesarea, the new city of Caesar. 
You catch the joke. John is saying to them, new city of Caesar, really? That's the best you've got? I'm going to build a new city with the name of my God. Remember, Caesar is the Lord. Caesar is God. John is saying, Jesus is saying, "Mm, not so much. This is a city built of the city that is the city of God. I will make you a pillar in the temple. You will have a new name, the new name of the people of God. Remember, they have been rejected. They have been cast out. They have been uh, essentially disowned. They've lost their name. But he says, no, you've hung on to my name. So you get to participate in the new thing that God is doing. Jesus is saying this is a new city that is coming down from heaven. A new city in which you will be completely and comfortably full citizens, residents. Why? Because you didn't give up. You didn't quit. When you were disowned, you stayed the course. You let your allegiance to me, Jesus is saying, be the definer of your identity. It superseded your family connections. It superseded your business connections. It superseded your religious connections. All of the networks that were so important to you before that you were now excluded from, you didn't let that throw you off your game. You stayed focused. And the outcome of that, guys, you have a place. And not just a place. You have a prominent role. You are one of the pillars of the temple of God. Remember, this is an image that Paul uses, Peter uses, that the, 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 the house of God, the household of faith is built of people. And you guys have a place in it. They're going to be remembered who have been forgotten, who have been dismissed, who have been marginalized. You will be remembered with a pillar in the temple of God. Jesus honors those who are faithful to him. He's inviting them to be those who carry the name. He's inviting those in a, in a culture of compromise, in a culture in which it's easier just to kind of fly under the radar, to stand tall, to carry the name well. He says, when you do that, when you do that, you have a place. You have a name. You have a new identity. And of course, this is so critical for us, isn't it? In this season that we're living in now, in this time, again, in which we keep on emphasizing it, but nothing's changed much, right? The world is still vibrating. The the people are still anxious. Um, The people are feeling the earthquake and are tempted to run. And I want to suggest to you that maybe Jesus is doing something about opening doors of opportunity, doors of mission. I think that like it was in the book of Acts, where the church under persecution finally got on with the mission that Jesus had sent them to, Perhaps this pandemic is in some way an answer to prayer. That we have been praying for revival, that we've been praying for renewal, that we have been praying for the mission of the world. Maybe this gets us out 
of our, of our buildings so that we can be the people of God in the world. We can carry the name well in the world where stability is needed more now perhaps than ever before. Calm, non-anxious, non-terrified people of presence. And I think that's what he's inviting us into, to become the city of brotherly love, to become the people marked by the character of Jesus, carrying his name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this encouraging letter, but so challenging at the same time, especially in a season where it's, it feels sometimes like it's just easier to kind of give up and, and go along. Lord, we don't want to do that. Even though things are quaking around us, even though things are shaking around us, we want to stay solid and stable and focused on you and who you are. We want to carry your name well so that at the end of the age, we can carry your name well. We want to be a pillar in the new temple in the city of God as it comes down from heaven. We want to be citizens in full standing. So I pray that you would help us, who are your people here and now, to remember who we are and to be that in all of the spaces that we occupy. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Thank you.